It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish Stripes podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes, where we cover your Miami Marlins every day in our own way. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to our podcast offerings. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Turn on notifications so you don't miss anything. So we have you covered every single weekday, as well as every other Saturday here on the podcast feed, talking about the Marlins from every conceivable angle. Follow Fish Stripes on your favorite social media platforms. We're right at 13,000 followers on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, Facebook, wherever you find us. The number one priority right now, please consider subscribing to YouTube. Our preseason goal of 1,000 subscribers on YouTube is so close. If everybody within the sound of my voice just does that, we're going to reach that number. That would mean a whole lot to me and the rest of the staff for the full offerings of what we do covering the Marlins, the entire breadth of our analysis and opinions and reporting and historical context on the Marlins, major leagues and minor leagues, on the field and off the field, fishstripes.com. Please bookmark that. Check in with us throughout the year, throughout the offseason. Something new for you there every single day. Go to fishstripes.com. We are gathered here on this episode, on this Monday morning, to talk about Nick Fortes to talk about the very most, the first arrival, the first of many, we hope, homegrown position players under the Bruce Sherman ownership era 
that is actually productive in the big leagues. This is the first, the first of many, and one that has emerged in the middle of his professional career as not just a guy that can plug a roster spot as a backup catcher, but it's been evident, particularly this past Sunday, that he is something more than I think even the Marlins expected that he could be. Extremely exciting breakout of sorts for Fortes here in what's his second major league season. We've only seen little glimpses of him, and it's my uh, mandate at this point that we see more of this young player as the Marlins catcher and perhaps as the Marlins designated hitter as well. Extremely impressive for Fortes. We're going to go through, as usual, small pod style, the last three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from between the Marlins versus Mets, and then circle back to Fortes, exactly what he's done that has impressed me so much and how the Marlins should adjust their playing time accordingly. Stick with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Circling back to the series opener on Friday night, Sandy Alcantara on the mound in Miami, Mar- Marlins versus the Mets, and the Mets take this one 5-3, to three, led almost entirely by Francisco Lindor, man. I mean, he was good when these teams met the previous week in New York, but in this particular game, drove in four of the five runs against Sandy. He became the first hitter anywhere to hit a home run against Sandy in a month and a half. All the, they had a streak going all the way back to May 11th that was finally snapped on a Lindor go-ahead home run, and then he kind of broke this one open with a bases-clearing double in the middle innings. Uh, Sandy overall, despite giving up five runs, four of them earned, and what would you'd have to say was his worst start in a couple months, he still went seven innings. That just shows you how immensely high the floor is for Sandy, even on an off night, to still give the Marlins terrific length that would end up, I think, benefiting them the next couple days of the series. He continues to be... Man, just everything you could ask for from rotation leader. He's not perfect, but he's still got a sub-2 ERA here in late June coming off of this outing. And he kept the Marlins in this one, even though he wasn't on top of his game. Um, With the Marlins offensively, they they put up three runs on the board in this game. Uh, Let me try to remember exactly who it was that put those runs off the board. Jazz had a couple hits early on, then exited the game with back spasms. John Birdie a couple hits as well. And it was Garrett Cooper that drove in two of those three runs on Friday night. Uh, In the later innings, even with the Marlins trailing, um, I was very intrigued by what I saw from Dylan Floro. I've been harsh on him and how he's looked like a shell of himself for much of this season. All of a sudden, the velocity came back. All of a sudden, a couple ticks higher, back exactly where it was in 2021. For the very first time all year, his stuff looks like legitimate setup stuff in this game as he pitched a 1-2-3 inning. So that was encouraging, even though the game uh, would go to the Mets in this one. I think the Marlins got a couple base runners against Edwin Diaz in the ninth inning, if I remember that correctly. They didn't push across a run, though. And we move on to Saturday. Exact same final score, 5-3. to three. There were some uneasy vibes around this team 
entering the game. Because on Friday, with Jazz exiting with back spasms, with Miguel Rojas dealing with what was described as, I think, a, a foot bone contusion of sorts, something like that, um, Jose Devers, the 22-year-old prospect, was brought up from AA to at least be around the team. He wasn't um, officially called up, but he was brought up as kind of an insurance policy um, in case one of those two had a setback in recovering from their minor issues and sigh of relief both of them were able to play devers ultimately went back down to double a pensacola that was a really uneasy pregame portion though with him around the team not understanding why devers who, had, who was struggling to be frank in the minors this year would even be a consideration to come up in the big league club when clearly he needs to develop more down on the farm with Trevor Rogers in this one, it was another meh outing. I think if you dive really deeply into his last two starts, both against the Mets, you see some positive signs in this one, particularly in the first inning of this game. How confident he was with his fastball early on was encouraging. And then kind of from there, it's just such a grind for him to put away batters and for him to avoid hard contact. Overall, you now have the anti-Sandy streak from Trevor. His last seven starts are all five innings or fewer, all with multiple earned runs allowed. There just has not been, in an extended period of time, not even one single outing that you could feel fully empowered by, fully um, proud of, frankly. He's just not putting it all together. Still has that ERA in the high fives as we get this deep into the season when you're not providing quality and you're not providing effectiveness when you're the anti-Alcantara, man. It drags down the rest of the club. The Marlins bullpen, the first couple arms out of it, did a great job of bailing Trevor out. Zach Pop escaped a bases-loaded, one-out situation. He looked great. Um, I think, in general, most of these relievers are trending up in recent days. I mentioned Floro, Zach Pop, Bass, and uh, Tanner Scott continue to be steady in the high leverage situations as well. And even Jimmy Yacobonis, he takes the loss in this one, allowing a game-winning eighth-inning home run to Pete Alonzo. That's not really anything for Yacobonis to be ashamed of. Alonzo now tied for fourth all-time in home runs at Lone Depot Park by a visiting player. This was his 10th, and he's not even three and a half seasons into his major league career. Yacobonis, outside of that home run, struck out the other three Mets batters he's faced. He has struck out overall close to 60% of batters faced since being called up. That's more than doubled the number that you would start to get excited about. For him to be striking out the majority of opponents he's facing is just otherworldly. And I think it shows how the league is struggling to adjust to this nasty sinker he has as well as this slider that tunnels off of it very well i think he's going to be here to stay in this bullpen for quite a while so the marlins fall behind uh, another insurance run scored against richard blyer he's probably the one guy in this bullpen that you're still struggling for answers and is naturally being relegated to some low leverage situations but a disappointing loss, uh, not all that surprising. I did predict the Marlins to lose this series. Um, in my opinion, the Mets are just a really well-rounded team, and they're able to uh, close this one out as well. Leading to Sunday, a Peacock exclusive, the first time all year that the Marlins have been off of traditional television with a booth uh, that included Tommy Hutton and Cliff Floyd as the analysts for this game. 
it was a it was an interesting broadcast. Um, I was it was not convenient. I can tell you that. And based on the lineup that the Marlins put out for this game, there were naturally a lot of people that were not enthusiastic about a new subscription service. Uh, signing up for that just to see Luke Williams, Eric Gonzalez, among others, in the lineup. The Marlins sat Jazz Chisholm Jr., Jorge Soler, and Avisail Garcia against a lefty. Um, I mean, say what you want about Soler and Garcia not being exactly what they hoped when it's a left-handed pitcher and David Peterson on the mound. That was a surprising move to get them rest. And the reason why the Marlins won this game, um, mostly due to Daniel Castano keeping them in the game. I mean, that was the big difference for to the idea that Castano facing a close to full strength Mets lineup, pretty close to full strength, except for Jeff McNeil, for him to go seven innings in this one, allowing just two runs, it looked shaky early on. He allowed some hard contact, but he was able to pitch around that. We're getting pretty deep uh, into now Castano's major league career, and even though it doesn't look pretty, the adjustments he's making seem to be working. He is a soft thrower, and he is throwing it soft, going more and more on this cutter of his instead of his fastball, and it's allowing him to avoid the barrel of the bat a lot of the time. So he did great in this game after an uncertain start. There was a streak, I think, where he retired uh, at least 10 or 11 batters in a row, something like that. And he ends up going deep and efficient and keeping them in this game. And the Marlins are able to scratch across just a couple runs to make it interesting, including a Miguel Rojas home run. It's 2-2 going into the later innings. The bullpen this time going to um, a couple of their big guns. Let's see, it was Stephen Okert in the eighth inning, and it was Tanner Scott in the ninth, setting up the stage with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Nick Fortes against Adam Adovino. Slider inside on his hands. I have no idea how he kept this fair, much less barreled it up, but he certainly did. A no-doubter walk-off solo home run for the Marlins' young catcher. 0-1 to Fortes. It's hit well! Deep to left! Way back! Nick Fortes has walked it off for the Marlins! They come pouring out of the third base dugout. Quickly, my fish prospects of the week. On the pitching side, left-hander Zach King with Beloit. 11 strikeouts in seven scoreless innings for this red-hot Beloit Skycarp team that improved themselves back to 500. I was, I've talked about the, their exciting starting rotation a few times here on the pod, and I think King has emerged as the um, the very most effective of the bunch. Not quite on the same prospect level as somebody like Dax Fulton yet, but he is trending in that direction. Uh, a lot of strikeouts in a lot of different ways in this one, including with his fastball, off of his breaking balls as well, looking on painting the corners of the zone as well as getting whiffs. This was a dominant outing for Zach King on Sunday it was. And his teammate, Nassim Nunez, on the hitting side, fish prospects of the week. Look at this slash line, 474, 615, 947 in this past series. Slugging 947. Nassim Nunez, one of the smallest players in this organization, this week included his very first minor league home run. It comes in his third minor league season. He only struck out one time. Of course, he stole a couple more bases. Now 30 swipes this season. Nunez is starting to put it all together. For somebody that's already 
immensely talented as a base runner and as a defender to see his bat tick up the way that it has should have the Marlins feeling that maybe on the heels of Fortes they have another homegrown position player who can be very productive all around at the highest level someday honorable mentions to another one of their teammates Marcus Chu playing in six games this week he hit 500 over the course of a week that was outstanding for Chu also going down to the FCL rookie league infielder Javier Sanoa with a 1208 OPS for him he's another prospect that has the arrow pointing up on him this season You folks know I am not one to overreact to tiny sample sizes. I have to make an exception for Nick Fortes. When he has been on a major league field the last two seasons, he has been the best player on that field. We now have 27 games, 14 of them last year, 13 of them this year, and the slash line is almost identical. Like He was hitting great last year, uh, 72% better than league average, a 172 weighted runs created plus, and this year, it has been a carbon copy of that 173 WRC plus, including Sunday's game. Hitting as well as anybody has and not necessarily getting lucky about it. It is that combination of making hard contact and also making frequent contact. What sticks out to me with this home run that he hit on Sunday, going well outside the zone to hit the ball and to hit it over 400 feet the pull side that was crazy what's more so stood out to, about him since he's been in the big leagues in the small sample and it goes back to when he was a prospect as well is that when you throw pitches in the zone he is able to do damage against them he has a zone contact percentage in the majors of 95 percent he seldom swings and misses when you throw a pitch anywhere in the zone for him to make as much contact as he does and also for nearly half of that contact to be hard contact a 45 percent hard hit rate in the majors i mean what more can you say that is terrific hitting in a nutshell he has been hitting the ball hard since last year he's been getting it in the air just an incredible turn for somebody that admittedly had some struggles offensively in 2018 and 2019 at the start of his minor league career it's it's still a small sample but you can just see the tools the vision that he has the ability that he has to adjust to different pitch types um, the power that he can hit to to all fields it's not just pulling it straight down the line but a couple of the seven home runs that he has already hit in the majors were more towards center field as well so, i mean just digest that seven home runs in 27 games that's for a catcher, for a guy that has been the catcher in almost all those games, going back to last year, it is seventh best in the majors. Number seven in the majors out of players that have hit at least 50 plate appearances. A list of over 600 major league players, and he is seventh best. He is in the 99th percentile in zone contact percentage. And when he makes that contact, it goes a long way. The entire offensive package is there, too. It's not just as a hitter, but the fact that when he does put balls in play, the few that don't go over the wall, he's able to use his legs in a way that catchers very rarely do. The Marlins fans have been spoiled by this, of course, in recent years with JT Realmuto and Jorge Alfaro, and this year as well with their new teams, 
Those two remain at the top of the sprint speed leaderboard among major league catchers. You know who's fifth on that list in sprint speed for catchers? Nick Fortes. Over 28 feet per second on his sprints this year so far. Um, that's not fluky. I mean, there's only so fast that you can reach. That is, um, even in a small sample size, for him to have the capacity to run at that level, which is well above average for any major league player. But compared to catchers, that is elite. This is an elite run to, runner, at least in terms of using that speed for baseball purposes. You know, he is not, when you look at him, the most um, obvious special athlete that you can put your eyes on you know he doesn't exactly pass the eye test when it comes to elite athleticism all that matters is being able to apply that to games for all the hard contact he makes and for all the quick times that he runs down the first base line there's it's really undeniable that he is a unique skill set for the catcher's position and for the marlins to have that at the major league level is exhilarating considering that they've We've seen them trade away two other guys that had that very unique skill set, and yet Fortes, uh, on a similar level to Real Muto, and of course far more than Alfaro, his understanding of what pitches to swing at and his mechanical skills to actually make contact and hard contact on those desirable pitches is, it's, it's just great talent. This is something that does not seem to be a fluke to me in any sense. Of course, the overall numbers are going to come back down to earth. I don't think he's going to continue hitting like Mike Trout if he's playing on an everyday basis or close to that, but his floor as a player offensively is extremely high. On the defensive side, I can't help but be impressed as well. What he does in terms of blocking pitches in the dirt, that is what has really stood out. For him to block pitches in the dirt, when catching a Marlins team that both now and in the very near future is going to have some absolutely filthy arms in terms of guys that have stuff that is difficult to catch. It should not be taken for granted being able to block pitches in the dirt when you're catching um, arms that are just, that's the other side of having elite stuff. It's hard for the batters to do anything against it. And it's also just more difficult to catch than what would ordinarily be the case. I have to admit, in his really tiny sample defensively last year, it was not great. And in this tiny sample this year, uh, it looks a little bit better. And I don't think there's any doubt that he's playable back there. He makes up for, I guess, pedestrian arm strength with a very quick release. So his pop time is exactly where you would want it to be for a major league catcher. That's going to deter some base runners from going against them. To this point, he has caught three of eight would-be base dealers for the Marlins. That's great to this point. We also have to point to the fact that a lot of these pitchers are performing well when they are throwing to Nick Fortes. Castano being first and foremost, for him to be pitching this well um, in two of his three starts this season is a big, very pleasant surprise that I think has certainly exceeded everybody's expectations as to what the back end of this Marlins rotation would look like with several principal guys currently making their way back from injury. I It's it's hard to knock holes in Fortez's game right now, and I want to see a whole lot more of him. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We know that the Marlins invested quite a bit of prospect capital into acquiring Jacob Stallings. They traded three players to the Pirates, and they did it with the understanding that Stallings would not only be their primary catcher this year, but for a couple years to come. And that's why entering spring training, or I should say even in the middle of spring training, exiting spring training all along, I thought Fortes was the right guy to be on the major league roster as the backup. The reason why we didn't make a big deal of it is that it just didn't seem feasible that he would be getting any real playing time on the major league team, that he'd be blocked behind Stallings. What Stallings accomplished last year um, naturally gave him the inside track of being the primary guy. And we saw early in this year when Fortes was in the minors that Stallings was playing almost every single day for the Marlins because they really believed in what he accomplished, and naturally so. I mean, the both the tangible and intangible things that Stallings brings, he's going to continue to get substantial playing time. Anyway, you slice it, he has been a bust for the Marlins, based on the expectations they had. They thought they were getting an above-average starting catcher, and he's been one of the worst. He's been sub-replacement level, um, a, a small step back defensively, and a massive cratering to his offensive production. There was that little glimpse, I'd say, in mid to late May where it looked like Stallings could be breaking out of his funk, and he has fallen right back into it throughout June as we enter Monday, hitting 196 with no power and only like an average walk rate. He's hit into eight double plays already. He is, on the athleticism side, the polar opposite of Fortes, right near the bottom in terms of sprint speed. He's been, I don't want to rip him too hard. Let's just say that this is not a guy that has been helping them win very many games. He's had a couple clutch hits on opening day, very memorably. And then there was that other one a little bit more recently. And in between then, basically nothing um, at the plate or on the bases and not enough defensively to solidify him as even the primary catcher on this team. Since Fortes has been called up, there's been a split of about 60% of the starts for Stallings and about 40% for Fortes. Stallings always catches Sandy Alcantara. He always catches Pablo Lopez. And then most of the other games have been going to Fortes, even occasionally some back-to-back games as well. It's apparent that they need to lean more heavily on the Fortes side for the time being. I don't think I'm suggesting anything radical to at least float the idea that Fortes should be starting the half of the games. Let's let's take a baby step and say it goes from a 60-40 split to 50-50. Is that fair enough on the catcher side? I just think more importantly, what I want to point out is on days when Fortes is not catching, um, he should be a candidate to go into the lineup as the designated hitter. I think he's been played toyed around with some other secondary positions. Um, that might be going a little too bold at this point to force him in the lineup that way. I just mean as the DH. I mean, to this point in the season, DH has been mostly Garrett Cooper and Jesus Aguilar with a little bit of Jorge Soler. I'm struggling to see the case for why 
Aguilar should be in the lineup as DH consistently over Fortes. What makes Aguilar a better offensive player than Fortes right now? What? That's a secret, baby. I'm sorry. I mean, there have been stretches of this season where Aguilar isn't even showing enough discipline to draw his walks. His power comes and goes, and his quality of contact is not any better than what Fortes has shown to this point in his career. We could go back to the base running again, because one of the few players in the majors that's even slower than Jacob Stallings, Jesus Aguilar. I imagine that the Marlins are holding their fingers crossed that there's going to be a potential trade partner that lines up for them as the season goes on for Aguilar. We know he's a pending free agent. I don't think that's realistic. And even if that does come the case, I think you'd have to pay down a lot of his salary to make that move. I mean, rather than clinging on to that, I would rather see them allow this young player to spread his wings. So 50% of the starts at catcher, at least once a week at DH, um, why not? Why hold this guy back based on everything that he has shown so far in his skill set to this point in his career. I think, moreover, one missed opportunity that I've seen now several times is allowing Stallings to hit for himself in the late innings of close games. I will hop on with the Marlins thinking that maybe Stallings has this amazing rapport with Sandy and Pablo. He can continue catching every single pitch that Sandy and Pablo throw. It's also immensely important for for a variety of reasons, especially for the morale of the team, that they actually win the starts that are started by Sandy and Pablo. Too many of those have slipped away with Stallings batting for himself in the later innings. As recently as this Friday, I remember that one, with Marlins only down a couple runs in the later innings, and Stallings, for whatever reason, hitting for himself when Sandy is already out of the game. It makes no sense. There's no case to be made, as much as you may feel about Stallings, intangibles in his defense there's no case to be made that he is should be in the batter's box in late inning high leverage situations especially if Fortes is on adequate rest you know you don't want to play Fortes every single game you don't want to have him pinch hitting every single game for Stallings when he's not in the lineup we want to be reasonable about it I think it is well within reason that Fortes should be a pinch hitting option um, for Stallings and even in maybe some ninth inning extra inning situations when you feel like they're, you're not going to go out into the field anyway you could be bold and use them to pinch hit for some other players on this team he is showing that much potential so far and I think you need to continue um, expanding his opportunities until he gives you a reason not to do it and so far he has given them every reason to be on the field often it is a big indictment, I would say, of Mattingly's managing style that Fortes, to this point in the season, has not been used as a advent, uh, situational pinch hitter. The only time he has pinched hit this season was in a game replacing, I think, somebody due to injury. Uh, I think it was Jazz that came out of a game or um, something like that. That was the only time to this point in the season that Fortes has been used by necessity. He was used by necessity, rather, as a matchup advantage. And I think that is selling this guy short. The, the talent is very legit for this 2018 Marlins draft pick. And they need to be absolutely thrilled with what he's become, considering how much they invested in Stallings. But the fact that they're really taking it year by year with him anyway. And if it comes to a point where Fortes does clearly overtake him as the best catching option, that's not the worst thing in the world. This is 
this is baseball. It's unpredictable, and you need to prepare for that type of stuff by having multiple quality players at every position. So it's a blessing that they've had Fortes emerge the way that he has. I think at the very least, you have a guy that is going to be sticking on this Marlins active roster for the entire year. And even when that regression comes, I think we're still going to have a a really good all-around player in Nick Fortes. This has been one of the more pleasant storylines, I would say, of this entire first half of the Marlins season. And we had to wait a while to see it materialize. But Fortes got his opportunity. He has seized it. And I'd like to see the Marlins reward him for that. So I'm Eli Sussman. More official show coming up for you on Thursday. And, of course, we have all of our jam-packed Marlins content in between then and now. Now and then, I should say. Anything you want us to talk about, let us know. We're about to really dive into trade deadline season, which is just over a month away. Because despite Fortez's emergence, I think you need to be honest with the direction that this Marlins team is probably going to go at the deadline in terms of selling some veteran players. We're going to have you covered from every angle on that. Please rate and review the pod wherever applicable. Let us know what you think about what we're doing. And on this particular topic, let me know what you would like to see the Marlins do with Fortez in the near future. Are you ready to go? Are you already all in on your enthusiasm for this young player? Does he still have more to prove in certain departments? I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that. Thanks as always for listening. Go fish.